The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead, Dave. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead, Dave. Hello, welcome to Everybody is Dead, Dave, the Red Dwarf Review podcast, where I, Phil Hawkins, a longtime fan of the show, and my co-host, Adam Martin, the relative newbie, go through every episode of the show in order. That's right. And we are back for Back to Earth Part 3. Yes. I just realised, I've written on my notes, Back in the Red, that's a whole different... That's a whole parter. that's a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah, I wrote the wrong thing on my notes, but it's definitely back to earth. Part it is definitely back today. to earth. Yes. We're up to uh the sort of penult well not the penultimate, the the final of this trilogy return to the show. Yeah. And yeah, let's I mean we let's be honest. We haven't <laughs> thought that favorably of the first no. two episodes in this. I, I think am I right in saying for me I found part 2 better than part 1. And for you, yes. did you rank it the same or did you think the op- did you think I, part two I was went worse? slightly less for part two. That's yeah, it, I thought yeah. it was slightly worse. Will we think this is even worse? Let's wow. find out. Let's do it. <laughs> so we start with Starbug or Carbug, should Carbug. we say? Yes. Um, because they are in the Red Dwarf uh, Fan Appreciation Society's leader's <laughs> car, which is in the shape of Starbug. It it's is. a smart car. And they're uh, they're coming into Coronation Street. Yeah, which is the last thing I think any well, I I'd, I'd imagine even in 2009 that was the last thing any Red Dwarf fan expected. Well, yeah, so, given this is a BBC and Dave, a Dave being mostly owned by the BBC production and I Coronation Street being an ITV production. Yes. That's quite a, you know, good collaboration yeah. between the two in the sense that you wouldn't necessarily expect it to happen. No, a rare bit of collaboration, really, as well, from the two. Especially the fact that ITV were willing to, like, lend over their biggest program as well. Like, yeah, it's not just I'm, any other show. I'm assuming it wasn't out of the goodness of their hearts and probably some oh, money no. exchanged yeah. to their hands. But, uh, yeah. but it's still nice to see the kind of in cooperation going on there. Sort of a tangent, but it reminds me of how I, I felt when I was watching the recent... Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Ah, uh, yes. When yes. you saw loads of characters from studios that weren't Disney in it, and I was like, it's nice that they they've interacted with those cat, you know, and and willing to do that. Different companies aren't just like, no, they're the enemy. They're the yeah. They're the, we won't the give them anything. Yeah. We won't give them anything unless you give us a bit of money. Then we'll then we'll so that's then we'll nice. Talk. As they're coming in to uh, to park, they go through a Starbucks landing procedure. I'm curious what you thought about this. I found it really awkward. <laughs> yeah. I think partly the fact that, as we've mentioned in part one and two, there's no studio audience, so it's not that. But I think just the, the way it's done in general, just j- quite bluntly, for me at least, it's not funny. Yeah. I don't find it. For, what did you think? Did you like it? or? Um, I'm going to use one of your classic phrases. Ah. It definitely went on too long. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I kind of got where they were going and I thought, you know, when they started to do it, I was like, ah, yeah, they're okay. I didn't actually laugh. I didn't find it massively funny, but I kind of got, but then they just kept on going. Yes. And going. And going. going. <laughs> oh, by the way, listeners at home, if, if I sound a bit croaky, it's because I'm recovering from a cold. So I do apologize on your ears. Um, <laughs> Your lovely dulcet tones, yeah. though. You, you needn't yeah. worry. You needn't um, worry. 
so why are they in Coronation Street then? Let, why are they there? Uh, that is a good... Well, they're, they're looking to find... Uh, well, this is the thing, because they said... You know, in the last episode, they said they were going to find the boss or the big boss. They went to Mr... Was it Swallows, the nose guy? They went to his, and he said only the big boss knows that. And I don't yeah. think they insinuated it was Craig Charles, but that's why they're here, isn't it? They're looking well, for yeah, Craig I Charles. Yeah, I think they are going to, the gist is that they're going to Craig Charles to find out how to find the big boss. I see, I see. Now, I mean, Because, of course, Craig Charles, at this point in 2009, was working on Coronation Street, was a regular on Coronation Street. So that's why they're there. That clicks with me late, later on when we get to that scene, but I didn't know that going in. So ah. to me, I think the whole the whole going... Well, that, that makes sense then. So I guess going to Cory, a lot of Red Dwarf fans at the time were like, oh, I know what they're going to do here. But see, for me, not knowing that, I was a bit like, okay, why? We're just in Coronation Street now for, for no reason. So, yeah, because okay. so I was wondering if you knew that, because obviously at the end of the last episode there was when we first saw the reveal, the yes. cliffhanger was them arriving on Coronation Street. And I... I didn't want to probe into whether or not you knew what was happening then because I thought it might be a spoiler, and clearly it was. Because So you had no idea that no, Craig Charles I, was ever in not, Coronation Not a Street. smidge. Not a smidge. I had go. no idea he was ever in it. But hey, I learned something new today. Although, you know, we said the whole car bug stuff wasn't really funny. What I did find more funny was the <laughs> Crichton chatting with the information droid, as he oh, calls yes. it. That was a bit more humorous. <laughs> the post box, yeah. Who yeah. mistakes as a droid. Yeah, that was that was quite funny, I must admit. Yeah. 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 They get some strange looks from some of the regular Cory cast members as well. So they interact with, as well as Craig Charles in a bit, they also interact with a couple of other um, regular Cory cast. And I can't remember any of their names now. I know one um, of them is Michelle Keegan, the woman in the, in yes, the shop. Yes, that's the but, actress's name, isn't it? I can't remember her yeah, character name. Yeah, I only knew that when we got to the credits. Like, seeing the other characters, I was like, I'm guessing you're Cory regulars, but having... Having never seen a single episode of Coronation Street, it's all... That was the only thing I thought going into it, because I didn't know how long we were going to be in like the cor- in, in Coronation Street. So I thought, okay, if we're going hard on like Cory references, it's going to go completely over my head, because I've not even seen... I get it, it wouldn't be for a lot, because it is quite popular, and I'm sure a lot of people wa- who watched it will have known, at least at that time, like who those characters were. But for me, I was like, no... Yeah, the one that gives him a, gives him a strange look from across the road. That's a character called Steve, I think, who in the show, him and Craig Charles's character were like best friends. So that that oh, okay. kind of tracks with how they interact. He interacts with Craig Charles later as well, and that kind of makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I must admit, just to for the whole time they are in Corey, I feel like the references aren't too heavy that people like me can't follow what's going on. Like, I get they're there for those who will reckon it. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't, it, it didn't ruin it for me. Let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, So, Kat, Crichton, and Rimmer go into the shop, and that's where they, they meet Michelle Keegan's character. Yeah. And uh, just the thing that I took away from this was the accents. They all try a Manchester accent. They do, with um, very, very interesting results. Yeah, very interesting results. Uh, how, how do you feel? Because, you know, you're from up that, part of the world um, see there were part like i feel chris barry bless him got away with it a bit because of i i got the impression he was sending it up intentionally yeah like the way he danny john jules not so much arguably <laughs> that just i felt it was i was a bit like okay all right mate but oh yeah so i was a bit mixed on it really and you know we've all seen it like the old oh, the, the northerners sound like you know 
let's do the most stereotypical. So, you know, it's it's something I've seen a lot of in my life, so I think I'm a bit numb to it now. I'm just like, okay, we're doing the we're doing the northern stereotype. But yeah, yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't horrific though. It's not the worst I've seen like of that. So I was yeah, mixed for me. I felt it was a little bit cringe, but they but Chris Barry, like you say, he I mean, he is good at accents, just yeah. generally. He's he's good at impersonations and things. So I think he, like you say, did kind of pull it off the best. Yeah. And the other two were a bit more bit more cringy i think yeah but thankfully it doesn't go on for too long it sort of it does the jokes and then it then and then they get out they don't linger so i was like fair enough fair enough they go into the rover returns rover's return the rover's or rover whichever whatever rover's return rover's return the pub the pub they go to the pub pub (laughs) where craig charles is he craig charles has had a conversation with with the guy that plays steve and uh he's kind of warned them that his cast mates are there from red dwarf Mm. And then they come in. Initially, Craig Charles thinks it's Chris, presumably thinks it's Robert Llewellyn, Chris Barry, and, um, uh, oh, who's Cat? Who plays Cat? Danny John Jules. Danny John Jules. Yeah. Uh, went blank there for a second. Uh, he thinks it's them until then Lister comes in and he basically yes. is confronted with himself. And I, it was quite nice, quite, I think, um, I think Craig Charles did a good job of the scene, like obviously bouncing between himself and Lister. I thought that seemed quite natural. Yeah, um, I quite liked just seeing them interact. That was that was interesting. Like I said before that I like meta stuff, hmm. but I don't think this this so far this show has done it very well in these three parts. Sure. But I I appreciated what they were going for here and I I didn't I quite liked seeing, you know, Craig Charles interact with Lister. Yeah. That was I feel, kind of I feel it carried off better perhaps than it did in part 2. For a lot of the meta stuff. Yeah. I feel this one felt a bit better executed. We get a little Blade Runner reference again. Cat puts down the uh, do. the little gold thing. Just very casually. Nothing more said. It just puts it down. Um, and that, But you know the next scene is like. Where we cut straight to like the city of London. Yes. The very different. So we were we were debating this. Uh, last episode or the episode before. Like it, that we were talking about. Oh have they come into our world. Yeah. Well quite clearly this is not our world. Because there no. is not a giant pyramid. <laughs> In London, in, in our, our world. <laughs> no, there isn't. I'll give you that. But I, unless I missed it, like at the end of the... Does Craig Charles tell them where to go or do they just end up there? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I can't remember. I'm trying to remember in my head how the scene in the pub ended. Because I know they talk, you know, they're obviously talking about we're looking for our creator and that sort of stuff. But I don't... And, you know, people in the comments, if I missed it, fair enough, I'll hold my hands up. But I don't remember Craig Charles explicitly saying to them, you know, you will find him in London at a... At the, do you know what I mean? They just... Yeah. The scene just sort of ends and then it's like, right, now we're in London and now we're going in this giant... Do you know what? It just feels very like... Yeah. Okay, so, it, so why did we come to Coronation Street then? Like, That's if, if Craig point. Charles isn't going to explicitly tell them this is where you have to go, they just seemingly know. So then what was, <laughs> what was the point of going to see Craig yeah. Charles? Maybe when we eventually get around to the director's cut, maybe there might be a little little extra... Maybe. But yeah, to, to me at least, it just felt very much like, right, we're in Corrie, we're chatting with Craig Charles. Now we're in London in a giant pyramid and it's like, whoa, hang on. <laughs> How did we get here? But hey, as I say, listeners, if if I just blatantly forgot or missed something, please let me know in the comments. Uh, but yeah, I just I just don't remember it, Phil. I don't remember any link. No, I don't either, to be honest. So maybe there wasn't. Or maybe we're just forgetting. Who knows? <laughs> maybe. But they go to this pyramid and uh, they, they to find the creator. They find him. And yes. I like 
He's never given a name. So we don't no. know if he's Doug Naylor or if he's Grant. Uh, Rob Grant. Rob, Rob, Is it Rob Grant? Grant? Yeah. Rob Grant. Or if he's presumably in this fictional real world, he's a different creator. I think probably that. Yeah. See, I wondered till the end because I don't actually know, despite having done this podcast with you for a year, I don't actually know what Doug Naylor or Rob Grant look like. I've not seen any pictures of them. So when when this person appeared, I was like, okay. like the, To my mind, I was like, could this be one of them? Oh, well, you mean actually played by them? Yeah, yeah. I was ah. thinking, like, could this be... Because Doug Naylor was the one who stayed more involved, didn't he, after the partnership yes. sort of went a bit sour. So in my head for a minute, I was like, okay, is could this be... It's not. It's an actor called uh, Richard O'Callaghan, uh, I found in the credits. but And he's just, I think his bill is just creator. But I did think, you know, I was like, could... I don't know what Doug Naylor looks like. So I was like, this this could be... Could this be he? Could this be the man himself? Mm. But alas, it was not. But yeah, very interesting character. Um, yep. I've got to say, his um, he's got very snazzy bullets engraved yeah. with the characters' names. Um, and those, what are his guards? His guards creep me out. He's got his guards are like, uh, base. I I took this as a reference because they are basically the Munchkin Rimmers from the Rimmer song in Blue. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. It's just it was terrifying. I was. It took me aback at first. For 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 the first second, I thought it was people wearing like Rimmer cardboard cutout masks. Then when they started speaking, I was like, Oh my god, they've CG'd it onto these people, and the CG looks a little ropey in places. But mm. to me, at least, anyway. But yeah, it creeped me out a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Nice reference, but yeah, a little creepy. Yeah, definitely. So it's their creator that wants. To sort of kill them, basically. He grew wary of them, as he says. Yes, yeah. Which, I mean, I don't know if... I can't... You know when uh, Naylor and Grant split? I don't know if that was Grant's reason for leaving, or... I don't know. Or, Who knows? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. You know the inside story. Let us know in the comments below. Yes. The, there's a really strange joke, I thought. Or... I don't even know if it was a joke, but it was about... Well, it was. It was about fractions and uh, and the the light that burns half as strong oh, yeah. burns half as bright. And then the next, then somebody else goes, ah, but the light that burns three quarters. And then it's like, I don't, this is hurting my head. I, I don't really I, want to be thinking yeah. about masks just to do a joke. <laughs> I must admit, I didn't laugh. I was like, you've you've lost, like you've lost me here. Like, and I don't mind maths, but I was like, nah, you've you've gone past the point for me here. So yeah. That lost me a little bit too. I did quite like that they the bit where they start trying to because he's got that he's their creator. He's going to kill them. He's decided the show's going to end. Uh, so they start pitching spin-off ideas to him. Yes, I quite like that. Yeah. Rimmer pitches like he says, "Oh, what about a sitcom?" Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Lister says, "Oh, me and Crichton could have a have a spin-off where we're thrown back in time and we have to say." <laughs> Like desperation, trying to pitch like all these bizarre, ridiculous spin-offs to him. Yeah, no, I liked it. Like it was a nice sign of like desperation, like that they want to cling on. And I thought it actually worked. The jokes worked really well. So yeah, points there. Then he they, he starts firing, well, chasing them and then firing on them. There's this kind of action scene through a very Blade Runner esque type mm. environment. This kind of a set that must be within the pyramid somewhere. Um, and then see, I like this bit though. Okay. 
I really the whole the chase scene, if you like. I actually I thought it was shot really well. It was edited really well. It was scored really well. I really liked the music they had um, behind it. And um, even though you know, as you say, it's revealed to just be this is what I'm planning on, as in the creator saying this is how it's going to be. Um, there was something quite haunting about seeing them, you know, shot face down in the fake snow. I thought that was quite. I thought it was quite well done. I, I'd guessed in my head, I was like, this probably is like a dream or, you know, or a, a, yeah. You know. But um, no, I, I, I quite liked it. I thought it was pretty cool. Well, I've my notes on it that I wrote was bad action scene, bad slow-mo. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. The slow, yeah, I'll give you that. The slow-mo was a bit exaggerated. I thought they might have been doing that just for like the comedy sake. But the actual like pacing of it and I don't know, I just liked it. No, it surprised cool. me. It did surprise me. But it is revealed to just be creator explaining what he's going to write or has written um yes and not actually it hasn't actually happened yet i don't know if that whole action shot is meant to be because there's a line shortly after regarding the whole blade runner thing mm-hmm. how um blade runner was a influence for red dwarf's creation which i don't know if that's true i'm guessing that's true um or like i mean Possibly it's, the it's red it's red, it, it's red dwarf who knows what's true yeah. anymore but um but yeah, so I wonder, I ha- again, I've not seen Blade Runner, um, so someone in the comments might have to help me out, but I don't know if the action scene we saw where they get shot is maybe referencing something similar in Blade Runner, like if a maybe. similar sort of, like, you know, Could crashing be. through glass, falling it, on I, the... I can't remember. Yeah. Let us know in the comments if that action scene is in some way lifted from Blade Runner, because it wouldn't surprise me if it was. We get a, a Rachel the Inflatable Doll reference. We do. Because never thought I'd hear her again. Because <laughs> <laughs> Rimmer is complaining about how... The his creator has made him the butt of the joke all the time. Is that all the times you made reference to Rachel the inflatable doll yes. and my puncture repair kit? And he wants to get a girlfriend who, after he sleeps with, doesn't turn out to be his long lost sister. Oh yes, because they get they get hold of a gun. They get hold of the gun and they're basically holding him hostage and make him go over to the typewriter and start typing. And they're like saying what their demands are. So that's one of Rimmer's demands. It's you've got to give me a girlfriend and blah, 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 blah. But he gets the gun back. And then yeah. There's a bit of a tussle. Um, bit of a scrap. Yeah. And then Lister kills him. Yeah, which obviously at first this seems seems very left field for Lister because as he quite rightly says afterwards, I, I, don't, I don't kill people. Um, and it felt, it felt, I liked what Lister was saying as he was doing it. Um, about, you know, lusting for life and stuff. But I thought the way in which he was killing him felt a little stilted. It didn't feel like he was actually doing anything aside from just holding his head in a... Yes, yeah, so you know what I mean? how did he kill him? Like, did he That's squash what I mean. his head? I mean... Well, if he was doing, but there, if he was doing that, there was nothing to suggest that that was... It, it looked like he was just holding his head in a really weird way. But um, mm. yeah, it was... That was strange. But of course, it. I guess it, it gets revealed that he did that because that's what the creator wrote i suppose yeah i guess so and yeah. then he takes so lister takes over on the typewriter thinking he can write their own uh you know happy ending to it all makes mm. rimmer do a silly dance yes and he is growing repeatedly on the table corner yes and then Crichton, he makes Crichton do a lot of standing on, you know, the old standing on a rake yeah. and it comes up and hits you and then you and it, turn around. And it, Basically the joke from that Simpsons, Simpsons episode. Yeah. The Sideshow Bob, yeah. But this this goes on and on <laughs> and on. And do you know what? The idea of Lister like, having the power to like create their future, I think is a great idea. 
But I just think, yes, and before anyone says, yes, Red Dwarf is a comedy, comedy comes first. But I thought it's quite, you know, he's just given the creator that little serious talk about, you know, what life means to him and how he wants more of it and all that sort of stuff. I just thought you could have played this scene out a bit more, I hate saying it, but, like, you know, a bit more seriously or a bit more straight. Yeah. Like re- talking about how big of a moment this is, like all the potential things he could write, you know, or like that he could get back for, you know, him or the others. And instead we just get treated to a really like silly, oh, I'm going to make Rimmer smash his, smash his groin against a table. Do, do you know what I mean? It just feels like a weird, it's a weird shift because then all of a sudden we're back to, right, we've got to be, you know, we've got to play it serious now. Yeah. I don't know. That's what I thought anyway. I didn't really like it. But when they start doing stuff that Lister hasn't written, they realize that it maybe it's not the typewriter that's controlling them. Maybe it's their own subconsciousness. And that's when finally we work, we find out what these are origami things that Kat has been leaving everywhere throughout these three episodes have been about. He takes one and they blow into it and it turns into sort of a little model of a squid. Yes. And then we get the reveal that the squid that they fought in the beginning was the same race as the despair squid from Mm. all those years ago. I was going to say long time. Yeah. Long, long time ago. And uh, that's what they're, why they're, they're in a kind of hallucination. They realize they're in a hallucination. Yeah. And they question at this point, but you know, if it's a despair squid, why are they all, you know, why are they in a world like this where they have a fan club and they're, they're beloved, you know, it doesn't seem like despair, but we'll, We'll come to that later. Uh, when they have that reveal, though, I love this the little chat that Crichton and Lister have, where Crichton reveals to him that, you know, Kachansky in their world didn't die, that mm. she just dumped him. I quite liked it, because he's, you know, Lister sort of insinuating that rather than wake up from this subconscious thing they're in, he'd rather stay in this world and find the Kachansky that, lo- you know, that loves him or whatever. Yeah. And um, despite Crichton's efforts to, you know, he's come clean with him, he's saying it's it's not really his world. I, I, do you know, I don't know. I, just, I really liked it. I thought the performances were solid. They didn't really play it much for laughs either. They just focused on like, you know, how big of a deal it was. I, I really liked it. Like the style. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the others return to reality, but Lister is going, you know, stays to find the, the Kachansky of this imaginary world. And he, and he finds her. And we yes. get Chloe Arnett back yes. as Kachansky. Great to see her. Great it to see her back. It is great to see her. And we get this actually lovely scene between the two of them, I thought. Um, yeah. With this really heartfelt conversation between them. You can actually generally see like the emotion on Lister's face. It feels like it's a really kind of poignant moment in mm. amongst a lot of slapstick. And I think it works really well. She's... Uh, He's, she says, she asks him, in your dreams, did you kiss me? And then he said, it, he says, I never wanted to wake up. And she says, then don't. And that whole bit, I really yeah. quite loved. It's the first time in this whole three story, three episode thing that I've been like, this is a really good scene. Yeah, see, I, I really liked it as well. And like you say, Craig Charles, man, as a perform, like he's, he's not just a comedian. He can do the more like serious. Emo- I mean, I think we've been saying it. Well, in the moments he gets in this three part, like you had the the scene where he's at a grave in part one. I really liked that. Yeah. And you had uh, the scene on the bus in part two when the kids are chatting with him. I thought that was, I, I, I like that. I wouldn't want Lister to have these moments like all the time because obviously this isn't a drama, it's a comedy. But 
I don't mind every now and then like having a scene or two here and there where he is allowed to not just be the butt of a joke or be a slob or you know anything like that. He can just be human and have emotions and feel. It's, yeah, it's great. Loved it, and I love the realization he has because again, without saying it, you can clearly tell when he get you know just before he gets out of car bug that he sort of changed his mind. It's hard mm. to describe, but you just you can just see it on his face. It's a sign of good acting, I think. If a, if a performer doesn't have to always explicitly say what they're thinking to convey it, then I think that's pretty damn good. Yeah. And then the uh, the fake Kachansky sort of tries to convince him to stay and tells because he's going to go off and he's decided he's going to find the real Kachansky. Now he knows she's alive. Yeah. But she's like, she tells him, you, you never have a chance of her. Stay with me instead yeah but he's gonna go it's like the embodiment of temptation isn't it being like no don't do that stay with me take the easy path all that sort of stuff yeah and then uh so he wakes up yeah he does we're back in back in regular red dwarf territory and that's when we Um, get the uh full reveal of the despair squid and that it's not a despair squid it's a joy squid because it's a female of the species it is they um, stop being, you know, they defend against being attacked by inducing joy, whereas the male does it by inducing despair. Mm. We get a very cheap joke about female drivers. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was a bit like, wow. I was like, it's 2009 for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah, it was quick, but I couldn't help but notice it and note it down. I was like, come on, man. Like, it's anyway. Yeah. Um, and then we get um, another callback uh, with, yeah, with the revelation of how this squid got on board, we find out Cat got it on board back mm. when they were on that water planet where they found the despair squid. And we get a yes. little, little call back to the I'm going to eat little fishy mm-hmm. song. Yeah, uh, I like that. To sing. He does. That, that was nice. Much to the annoyance of everyone else who basically realizing that Cat allowed this uh, squid to get on board. But uh, yeah, nice little bit of. I put talk about bringing back loose continuity, but hey, Red, how many times has this show done this now? Yeah, where it'll take like the the thinnest shred of continuity and just be like, yeah, we'll expand on that compared to like massive plot points where they're just like, now we're never going to talk about this again. Yeah. Now, according to Crichton, because they imagined this world, that world now exists in the multiverse, which I didn't quite understand right. how that works. But he, he was talking about quantum mechanics once. Yeah. Like every time we was he implying like every time we dream or something that it creates new, another universe. I don't know. Maybe I, multiverse one hundred and one, according to according to Crichton. I'm but, not sure it particularly holds up well, but uh, yeah, we can let it off for that. The science of um, a red dwarf, you know, is oh, not something honestly. that you expect to be strong. You need to get Brian Cox, get him to analyze that. You know, he did Science of Doctor Who. Get him oh, yes. Science of Red Dwarf. It'd probably blow his mind. Uh, what did you think of this last little gag and ending then? It's something about what would they do if they see us on TV? Oh, they'd laugh or something like that. What's the gag? I, I assume that they, in their head, because in their heads, they're not in a comedy. So, but they, yeah. I suppose the gag is that we, if they, they would laugh, they would think it's a comedy and we do we're watching red dwarf yeah and then they just yeah and then it just and then it just sort of ends and it ends yeah it felt no i i didn't like that ending because they they do the thing of oh they'd laugh and then they laugh and it felt like the most stereotypical like you know sitcom ending ever where someone's <laughs> like here's a joke and everyone's like ha, 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 and you know cut to roll do you know what i mean that's a, yeah it wasn't exactly like that but it felt like that 
And I was like, no, I was like, that doesn't fit Red Dwarf in my opinion. It just, it felt very undercooked. It felt very, okay, we're done as Red Dwarf has done sometimes. But considering this is meant to be like a three part thing, even if they did ended it with, with them being in like the control room and Lister being like, right, we're going to find Kachansky, let's go. And the cliffhangers then go, you know, like the end of, was it series four or five where that was the ending? It's like, we've got a, uh, wasn't it we're going to find Red Dwarf or like we're going to go Something out? Something like and... that, yeah. Might have been series yeah. five. One of those finales where the ending was literally, let's go and find Red Dwarf. And that was it. And it worked. Uh, even if they'd done something like that, that would have been cool. But I don't know. It just seemed, to me at least, it felt very underwhelming of an ending. I don't know about you, but... Um... Yeah. Um, now, there was a bit that I remembered being in this that oh. uh, it didn't come up on the DVD. And I don't know if it's because maybe it was a post credit scene and I didn't stay to the end or something. But I remember there being another scene with Kachansky, just like a little like thing at the end from when I watched oh. this, like originally in 2009, okay. just where she then dr- she drives into shot in a car and then right. drives off again. Although maybe that's from a different episode. I don't Ooh. know. Let us know in the comments if um, if you remember that, because I'm maybe sure it's... that was in something, but I can't remember what it was. Maybe it's hiding in the director's cut. Who maybe, knows? But, maybe, but yeah. I wouldn't have seen the director's cut on TV. It would have been this version. So that's I don't know. true. So don't know what I'm remembering okay. there. But I'm sure, maybe I made it up in my head. Maybe it didn't happen. Maybe I dreamt yeah, what it. What they call it? The uh, Mandela effect. Yeah, where you clearly remember something. Yet it, yet it wasn't there. Yeah. There well, we that's well, back to earth then, I guess. Yeah. Um. So we have our regular features. Favorite character and funniest moment. Yeah. Who's your favorite character? He's done it. He's got the hat trick. It's Lister, it's Lister um, for the reason, as I said, he gets to do a bit more than just do the the comedy. Um, I felt some of it, I like the stuff where he interacts with Craig Charles, if you like, and some of the stuff with the creator I quite like, like the stuff he says to him. I just thought he had the best lines, like he had the best things to say, and he felt very much like the focus. The others did a great job, but I don't know if you felt this. Compared to Lister, they sort of felt a, a lot more background in this special. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. To, to me, at least, anyway, they just felt like they were there, but it, it, this felt more like Lister's story more than anything. Um, but hey, for that, for that reason, that's why I'm giving it to him because I think he did a great job. So yeah, hat trick for Lister. What about yourself? I am also going to give it to Lister, which is the first time I've done it this um, uh, this series. But uh, yeah, I, I think he's got those lovely heartfelt moments, and you know, deserves it. I think. Yeah. He had some yeah. nice moments in the other ones. I just gave it to other people. But um, yeah. So yeah, I'm going to give it to um, to Lister as well. Nice. Uh, funniest moment? Funniest moment. It's uh, <laughs> it's an early joke, but it's the information droid, the post box stuff. I just really liked it. I thought Robert Llewellyn, as usual, did some great physical comedies, interactions. The jokes were actually well written. It didn't feel awkward like the car bug stuff just before it. And um, it's a bit that made me chuckle the most. So... Yeah, I'm going to give it to the good old postbox scene. What about you? I really struggled because I didn't really find much of it funny at all. Um, <laughs> the postbox stuff was good, I mean, I must admit. Um, and I also had down maybe the stuff between Craig Charles and Lister. It's all kind right, of funny. Yeah. And, but even yeah, that yeah. was... I'm going to give it I'm going to give it to that, but nothing nice was one. massive funny in this no. episode <laughs> it didn't grab you didn't no quite grab you. no if we no. were talking about great moments rather than funny moments i would have picked the 
episode, uh, the the bit near the end with between Kachansky and Lister, that was a great scene, but it's not mm. the funny scene, so you can't <laughs> no. like this. Um, what uh, about score? How many scutters score. out of ten? It, it's it's um for me it's the same score I gave to part two, which is a six out of ten. Okay. Um, I going in, I really wanted this to be the one I enjoyed the most because I said I enjoy part two more than part one, and I really hoped it would just push push that a little bit further but it didn't it just sort of say i enjoyed it more than part one um but yeah about the same as part two so i feel like this whole special really there's some nice ideas like some really nice ideas but they either don't go anywhere or they're just blighted by other things that don't need to be there for me so yeah six out of ten sort of definitely in the bottom chunk of like a ranking list for sure but yeah yeah what about you i'm gonna give this um what did I give the previous ones? I think I gave a five to the first part, a four to the second part. I'm going in the middle here. I'm going to say 4.5. Uh, it was us. better. I found it better than the second part, but worse than the first part. Uh, I think. So you like part one the most, and I like yeah. part one the least. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, that was... Um, I just think ah, there was so much... Like, some of the Coronation Street stuff was okay, but it was only okay. I didn't like yeah. really any of the at the creators. Did you not? No. None of it. No. None of it really. And then uh. I did like the scenes, the Kachansky stuff at the end. That was nice. But yeah. overall, I think, which is why I think it's that that brings it above last week's episode, uh, part two. That, sure. that those scenes with Kachansky I liked. So, you know, it's, I think overall, we can say that. Back to Earth isn't isn't the, our favorite. <laughs> I can I can imagine for fans like yourself after a ten year drought that this wasn't the return to form everyone was hoping for. No, I'm gathering. No, and I've no. just seen something on the trivia section just about Chloe Annette um, that I just found quite interesting. Chloe, this was Chloe Annette's first acting job since 2002. So really, yeah. So she'd had like a seven year gap of oh. not acting. Between I wonder why that was, yeah. Between presumably when, uh, what was she in before that? She was in an episode of Doctors. No, yeah, oh. Doctors. That was the last thing she was in before this in 2002. And then um, she hasn't done that much since, actually. She's been in a few single episodes of things, but the last thing she's got on IMDb was 2014. So oh, wow. maybe she's retired from acting. Yeah, maybe a change of career. I mean, it's like... First time, it's a hard industry. <laughs> like you yeah. take a beating from it, but um, yeah, no people leave for all sorts of reasons, really, uh, and no shame to any of them. I would love to see her back. This was, oh yeah. Uh, I mean, this is a bit of a spoiler for you, but this was her last appearance. So, oh no, oh, um, that's cutting. I was gonna. Well, s- I'll be curious to see. No spoilers for it. I'll be curious to see if they recast again. Because of course, this, that wouldn't be the first time. Um. As much as we've grown to love Chloe Annette, we I keep forgetting she's not the original Kachansky, yeah. if you like. So now I'm curious whether to see she appears again. Peg Gorgon. Peg, Peg Gorgon? Is that a name? Gorgon? No, not Gorgon. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Grogan. The gal out, Grogan. Of, al- the gal out of altered oh. images. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. That's back to Earth done. I think this was the uh, the, the run of episodes I was most dreading looking back at. <laughs> and, really? Um, and just wondering if it would hold up and it doesn't but never mind no. um, <laughs> but we've got series 10 next yes to go on to yes. so that's gonna be which is a exciting. traditional tv series in the traditional sense that it's six episodes six episodes yeah all different stories every episode 
So okay. sort of back to the back to the sort of more standard format for Red Dwarf. Yes. Let's see if it uh, improves on this. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Right. So where can uh, yeah where can we find everything? We've got a Twitter account. If you want to follow we do. us on Twitter, do it's at All Dead Dave Pod. Certainly is. You've got a Twitter account. I do. It's Adam Martin AMTV for all my daily ramblings and wares. And you've got a Twitter account, Phil. I do. It's at Culture Filter with Filter uh, spelled P H I L T. You see what he did there? Yeah. See what he did there? It's good that. <laughs> yeah. We've yes. also got YouTube channels. We do. Mine's again just my name, Adam Martin. You can give me a subscribe there. Drop us a like on some videos if you if you want to. And you do as well, as you say, Phil. Yeah. Also, just my name, Philip Hawkins, and one Ellie Philip. And you can, uh, yeah, well, I've got videos. This podcast goes up there, but also videos about Doctor Who, Star Trek, MCU, basically any geeky pop culture I like. All so sorts. Check that out. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back. We might do a few more special episodes before we head yeah. into Series 10. So um, just to, to delve into, we've got another book to do, if we can Which, finish yes, reading it in oh. time. Uh, yeah, and, that's right. Uh, and a few other things that we might do some specials on, and then we'll launch into the proper Dave era. Oh yes, with series ten, will it hold up? Well, well, I'm I'm very excited for the Dave era to start properly, Phil. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Well, we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening. See you Goodbye. later. Bye.